Welcome to 630 Naperville. I'm Paige Ronchetti. And I'm Nathan Ronchetti, and we're so glad you could join us. Today on the program, we're learning more about the many benefits of volunteerism. An attorney answers some of the most frequently asked client questions. We'll learn more about the signs of autism and find out what's next for former NFL player Matt Lacoste. But first, I'm sitting down with Chief Aries to talk about the NPD's ongoing commitment to officer training. With thousands of hours of training documented annually, the Naperville Police Department is truly at the top of its field, making sure officers are properly trained to keep themselves and our community safe. I'm happy to welcome Naperville Police Chief Jason Aries to the program to talk about the comprehensive training our local police officers receive. How you doing, Nathan? I'm good, welcome, Chief. Well, thank you. So why is training such a, a key topic for the police department? It's such a difficult job that our goal is that the first time an officer sees something, it's not the real thing. And in a job when every day is something different or a different situation, the more we can train to situations, the more effective we are and safe we are as a police department, not only for ourselves, but for the community we're serving. And so does that training take different shapes and forms? You know, what can I expect? Say I'm a new officer mm -hmm. coming into the team. What does that look like for me? So you'll come in and there's an orientation period of about two weeks where we kind of get you up to speed on the department, run through some logistics, and then you go to the police academy. Mm. We send our folks to the Police Training Institute in Champaign, Illinois. You're gonna have 16 weeks of training in Champaign at a police academy, just like you saw in the movies. Um, <laughs> after the police academy, you come back to the police department and you partake in our field training program, which can last up to 26 weeks, where now you're going through, it's phasing in the different aspects of being a patrol officer and police officer in the city of Naperville. Excellent. And so that's for somebody who's new. Mm -hmm. Let's say, you know, I'm somebody who's five or 10 years in. A lot of professions have professional development, certification programs. What does that look like? How does training evolve for somebody who's five, 10, 15, whatever years into the force? So I think there, that's a very broad question because besides patrol in our department, we have a lot of specialty mm. and collateral assignments you partake in. So there's specific training. For example, if you want to be a crimes against persons detective studying or investigating violent crimes that occur in the city, there's a tract of training you're going to go down specifically for that. Okay. If you want to be in the special operations group, which handles narcotics investigations, training for that. And that's not even talking about just continuing education. Search and seizure laws change all the time. So there's the aspect of specialized and collateral assignment training should fail. SWAT team, crisis negotiator. So there's a lot of training specific to those teams. Mm -hmm. But then we also have our in-service training that goes on at the PD. And that's where we maintain our certifications and a lot of that hands-on scenario-based training. Mm -hmm. That's where that takes place. Again, to keep our skills sharp and our job as leadership in the training unit is to recreate a lot of what we've seen in the field, change it a little bit, train in a, in a controlled setting to prepare us for the very difficult job of policing. To that point, you don't want to see it in the field the first time you see it. You want to have a way to analyze, understand what you're going to be facing, and, and have support so you're not facing it alone. Correct. And that's where reviewing video and using role-playing and simulations um, really help us to get to that point. Excellent. So we all know January 1st, it's not only the beginning of a new year, but there's also new laws, new interpretations of those laws. Best practices change as well. How does the 
teams stay current on those changes when there's a lot in flux every year? Yeah, there is, and we're really blessed to have a fantastic legal team here at the city of Naperville. So we work very closely with them. So when new laws come in, the training unit, our staff will evaluate how that's gonna affect our jobs. Mm. We work together to understand it and then put training together for that. And that's where we have the opportunity through in-service training and through some other online means that we have to deliver training to our folks, um, coupled with in-person to reinforce the learning that we engage in. But that legal team and that partnership we have with them has just been so crucial to that success as well. That's key to it. And so, do you have a, a, an estimate of how many hours of training were conducted in, in the last year? Yeah, so in 2022, it was over 6,100 hours wow. of just in-house training. That's not talking about you know that, that specialty training I talked about like with the SWAT team, they trained 16 hours a month, minimum. Mm -hmm. So just in-house, 6,100 hours, not including anything outside of that. <laughs> so you guys seem very current, you know, police departments stay on top of all these things. You know, is there anything else you'd want to share about the training approach or what you're doing to keep your team, you know, prepared and, and ready for what's next? Well, it, it is. And I'm, I've said it a couple times here. It's, it's the theme we live by. Don't let the first time be the real thing. And is that realistic? Probably not just because you and I could go out. I've been in the job for 22 years now. We could go to a call together and it's probably it could be something I've never seen in that time. Mm -hmm. That's just the uniqueness of this profession. However, the principles and fundamentals of how we would handle that call we're doing the best we can to put those scenarios together through, again, virtual reality, Ooh. as well as role-playing scenario training with real people. So you're interacting and preparing yourself for sometimes the unexpected. Excellent. It's good to know about all the training that you guys go through and, and appreciate you taking the time today. Yeah, thanks for asking. Up next, we're on location with Kaylin Rizvold to dive into the world of volunteerism and how vital it is to our thriving community. Welcome to Business Forward. I'm Kaylin Risvold, President and CEO of the Naperville Area Chamber of Commerce. The Chamber has more than 111 not-for-profits in our membership. And each April, especially during National Volunteer Week, we encourage our members and the community to get involved and get engaged with those not-for-profits. I'm here with Tom Myers, President of Naperville Bank and Trust. And Tom, can you tell me a little bit about why you are such a big champion for volunteering and what you do to help incorporate that into the culture here? Well, thank you, Kaylin. Um, part of our culture is giving back to the community. You know, the community is good to the business. We need to give back to the community. And that can be in the form of sponsorships, uh, board leadership, or just volunteering. Uh, we have many, many people involved in organizations. We believe strongly that uh, they need to uh, be passionate about the organizations that they volunteer in because that makes a big difference. As an example, uh, last fall, uh, a group of us volunteered for the Park District, and I think we planted 50, 60 trees over along uh, West Street. And uh, we had about 13 employees that came out. They were in their boots and their gloves. And we dug holes and we planted trees. And we all felt really good about the environment, planting the trees. But equally important was just the teamwork and the feeling of something that we were doing for the community. Again, part of the culture of the bank. Give back. Support your community. That makes the employee experience even greater when they are able to be involved in things. I love the way that you're incorporating 
different not-for-profits so that people can find one that really speaks to them. Right, and that's what's critical. They need to be passionate about it. I've been involved with the Y my whole life as a kid, and I'm still involved in the Y because I'm passionate about it. And there's other things, Rotary and other things that I'm part of that I'm passionate about. So that's what makes it fun. And I love working for a bank that encourages that. Now I'm here with Adam Fuchs, Executive Vice President for Commercial Banking with Wintrust. Adam, what is your role and how do you think that that relates and plays in with community volunteerism? Yeah, thanks for having me. In my role, I'm driving the commercial banking efforts for Wintrust, covering the western suburbs. So Naperville and where we're at here today and then the surrounding areas as well. And so for our employees, we encourage all of our employees to get involved in local organizations. Uh, we feel it's a great retention tool because if our employees get involved with something that they're passionate about, then we'll support them. You know, our employees are very well engaged and they, they, it's a great retention tool. And I love that Tom had talked about finding organizations that really speak to each individual employee. Is there an organization that you're involved with and how did you get involved with them? Yeah, so I'm involved with Loaves and Fishes, the food pantry here in Naperville. And I was, uh, Wintrust has been a great supporter of them for a long time. And Tom Myers and Cam Kinnis had talked to me about meeting with Mike and Nancy and the rest of the team over there. And I knew I had to get involved after going and seeing their hub here in Aurora. And they're really moving to make the local communities healthier. And if the local communities are healthier, it's better for our employees. It's a good place for them to live uh, and it's a good place to work. And if the local community is doing well, then Wintrust is doing well because we're based here locally as well. Thank you, Adam. And now we're gonna go talk to Barbara. I'm here with Barbara Pies, Vice President of Business Banking at Wintrust. And Barbara, how easy do you find it to work volunteering into your life? It's depending on the stage of your life. Um, when I was going to college and working two jobs, squeezing it in through like Literacy Volunteers of America with a one-on-one -on -one coaching session, practicing English, um, was what I could fit in at that time. And then when my kids were little, um, volunteering through St. Rayfield Church as um, hospitality ministry and um, the CE classes for the Catholic Church. And when we would have um, events like 5Ks or the fun runs through the school for fundraising or um, supporting our favorite organizations, we would do that as a family. Then I think... Um, because because one of the struggles is capacity, like how much time do you have with all the kids' activities and home life and work things. So I think including the family makes it easier. My home has quarterly um, goals for volunteering. I'm almost an empty nester. I've been able to widen what I do in the community by taking leadership roles in that piece. And I think for anybody out there, I think people should start out with um, signing up for projects. Like there's a one month project. I just need to be a greeter. I can help sort mail. I can do this or that. And it doesn't have to be where you're the treasurer secretary from the get go and being on the leadership team and that sort of thing. But as your life changes, the opportunities for volunteering also changes. And I love how we've been talking a lot about how volunteerism has been part of the culture here at Wintrust, but I like how you've taken that further and really made it part of your culture at home. And why do you think that's so important? I think when people um, get married and when they have kids, they have ideas of what they want their life to be. And I think uh, having those conversations with my spouse and saying, this is how I want to raise my family. And I think um, that 
dynamic um, has now passed on to my kids as far as this is what is an expectation of you as part, part of being a, um, in a community and being part of a family community. Thank you for your time. And there are so many ways that you can get connected and find a not-for-profit that really speaks to your passion. So you can give back your time, talents, or treasures through National Volunteer Week or all year long. You can head to nctv17.org to view some of those opportunities. On the other side of the break, I'm sitting down with an attorney to get the answers to your top legal questions. Stay with us on 630 Naperville. People from Chicago, pull for Chicago. We root for its teams, celebrate its successes, push through its challenges. When people call us the second city, it's misleading. We're second to none. We're hardworking, resilient, but we have a good time. When you live in Chicago, you proudly call this home. Your bank should too. We're Wintrust, built here, for here. And we've taken our place at Chicago's bank because no other bank can say the same. Oh yeah, I'll take one of your specials, my man. There you go, princess. We were there when you explored questionable street meat. Maybe read the reviews next time? We were there for that. And we're here for everything else. Here it's personal because we get to know you. From buying and selling properties, to figuring out how to do your will, or even what to do if you get a traffic ticket, you might be in a position where you need to ask a lawyer for advice. Attorney James Bernicke is here to discuss some of the questions he's frequently asked in this installment of Legally Speaking. Hi James, thanks for being here. Great to be here. So we have a lot to cover. Let's jump right in. All right. What does someone need to know if they're going to buy or sell a property? Well, if you're buying and selling a property in the area, you need to have an attorney. There is so much legalese, so much contractual things that um, people don't do this very often. And it's important when you have someone who does do this very often. There are so many things that you can do prior to putting in an offer. You can have an attorney run a title search. They can check and make sure the property's not in foreclosure, uh, things like that. If you're going to sell your property, same thing. You can get with an attorney. They can run a title re report. They can see, there's a surprising amount of people who own a house in a trust and forget about it, or have oh. an ex-spouse on the property and forget about it, and they think, oh, well, we're divorced now, she's not on the deed anymore. Ooh. Yes, she is. Uh -huh. So these are things that can be cleared up, but you wanna find out about it maybe two months before closing and not two weeks before closing. So the sooner you talk to somebody, the sooner you can find out, are there any issues? How do I solve them? make sure that we hit that closing date without issue. Absolutely. And a quick note on that, I'm a realtor, mm -hmm. so I know this, you are required to have an attorney with you at closing mm -hmm. in Illinois. Yes, and I don't know why anyone would want to fight that because there mm -hmm. is 50 signatures, there's all kinds of hoops that you have to jump through, things that you have to make sure, and for uh, a person who doesn't do this very often to read through all that would be very overwhelming. We're there at the closing, we can kind of break it down and say, these are the things you really need to remember and be aware of. Mm -hmm. These are your responsibilities for your house going forward. And that is so perfect. And along those same lines, wanting to help people do things as smoothly as possible, let's talk about having a will. Mm -hmm. Why does someone need to have a will? It's important to have an estate plan just in general. It can be a will, a trust. There's a lot of different things that we can do to make sure that your wishes are carried out when you're no longer here. 
The default is the state of Illinois will decide what happens with your estate. They can divide it in a way that you don't like. They could possibly give your minor children to someone else's guardian that you might not choose yourself. There's so many things you can do within an estate plan. You can make sure that your property passes to the next generation with less of a tax burden. You mm. could make sure that certain things go to certain people. We have a lot of situations where um, maybe the couple has a couple sons and they want some jewelry to go to their niece or they want um, their fishing poles to go to their brother. There's a lot of specific <laughs> sentimental things that the older you get, um, you know, china, jewelry, things like that, you can give to a person when you pass. And it's a nice gesture and it's something that you can set up within an estate plan that really, no one likes to talk about their estate plan, but when you sit and talk with it and lay it out and sign it, there's a certain comfort level that it's off your plate and you know that you don't have to worry about that anymore. Yeah, it's the peace of mind knowing that it'll be so much easier for your family. Yeah, because yeah. we have people who come in uh, maybe their parent has passed without a will, and untangling that is sometimes very expensive, very time-consuming, and it's something on top of the tragedy of losing somebody mm -hmm. that most people just don't have that capacity for. They just can't deal with it. The one more thing, oh, now I have to file a court case to get all this resolved. Uh, it's just something that nobody wants to do. Yeah, for sure. Well, speaking of things that nobody likes, <laughs> let's talk about traffic tickets. What can someone do if they get a ticket? Well, again, most people hopefully don't get a lot of traffic tickets. So they may not realize that if you get a ticket, you can talk to an attorney. They may be able to plea the ticket down to a smaller offense. They might be able to make a misdemeanor, a non-misdemeanor, or a lower class. Um, and this can save you money not only with the actual fine itself, but down the road, it can save you money on your insurance. So it's kind of the gift that keeps on giving if you can say, okay, well, I have this one offense, but we'll settle for a lower offense and you save money at the time and down the road. Okay, I'll be honest, I did not know that. <laughs> I got a ticket once and I just paid it. That's what most people do. And that's why for a lot of things, it's just important to know that there are options out there and that you can talk to somebody about it and see if it's right for you. Most attorneys, don't charge for a consultation, so you can talk to them. If it's not to your advantage, just pay the ticket. But if you can play it down, you can look at it and say, all right, well then I'll hire this person to do this and save myself some money. Ah, that is so helpful. <laughs> thank you so much for being here today. Mm -hmm. Very informative and I learned something new, so thank you so much. <laughs> all right, great, nice, nice to be here. April is Autism Awareness Month. Up next, Nathan learns more about the signs and what to look for in your kids. About 1 in 44 kids in the United States are likely to be diagnosed with autism. How can parents tell if their child might be autistic? Here to give us some tips on recognizing those signs is Brandon Schultz. He's a clinical therapist at Linden Oaks Behavioral Health. Thanks for joining us today, Brandon. Thank you for having me. And so how would you describe autism spectrum disorder or ASDs as sometimes they call it? Yeah. Autism spectrum disorder is a neurodevelopmental condition. So what that means is it affects kids as they develop socially from some of their earliest months of their life okay. and throughout their childhood. So can you share with us what the cause of autism might be and, and a bit more of the technical definition from that? Absolutely. We don't know exactly what causes autism. 
We know that there tends to be a genetic factor that's involved as well as the way that the environment may express those genetic factors. Um, while we might not know exactly what causes autism, we do know that there might be some things to pay attention to um, that could uh, anticipate that that might be an issue for a family. Um, if they do have children, other children um, that are on the spectrum, that might be a factor to pay attention to. In addition, um, parents' age when they have their children might be a factor as well. So potentially if a, a sibling has autism or is on ASD spectrum, there's potential that another sibling could have the same condition. That is definitely something that parents do want to be aware of. There tends to be a likelihood that a sibling, uh, a child born into that family may also be on the spectrum. Excellent. So as far as we're, we're thinking about, you know, signs to look for or, or what might be some patterns to pick up on, as, as a parent, what should I be aware of? And do those signs change a little bit over time? What should I watch out for? Absolutely. Signs early on in the child's development in infancy might be a slow reaction to uh, interactions mm -hmm. and speech, eye contact um, with caregivers, um, the timing in which kids become verbal. Um, those are definitely factors that parents would wanna be aware of. Uh, additionally, as kids get into uh, primary school ages, they might be uh, looking for signs that kids are having more difficulty socializing with their peers. They mm. might be more likely to socialize with adults or feel more comfortable in doing so. Um, it might be a little bit more difficult for parents to get their kids' attention by calling them by name. Um, those are some of the things that we might want to pay attention to and might notice first. So how early into a, a child's life can ASD be diagnosed? Are there certain steps that can be taken? You know, how, if I see something, should I be concerned or kind of watched over time? Like how soon is too soon? We can estimate that we might be able to tell as early as 14 months oh. that kids might be on the spectrum, but typically it's more in the age range of like the 18 to 24 months and on. Um, when children meet with their pediatricians, that is a time where they might be screened for autism. And it's definitely a good opportunity for parents to be asking questions if they notice some of these symptoms. Okay, so be, so be watching for some of that social interaction, some of those, those behaviors and, and keep an eye on those and then bring that to your pediatrician or what would you say is, is a, a good course to, to open that communication channel and look for support? At a younger age, it might be really important for parents to keep an eye on those and talk with their pediatrician if they have concerns. As kids get into older ages during grade school, middle school and on, it also would be important to speak with those who work with children at school. It could mm. be teachers, counselors, social workers. They often have many insights into kids and how they interact with their peers at school that parents might not be aware of. So if I think my child might have ASD as a parent, you know, what can I do? What support is available to me? Absolutely. A good place to start, again, is working with the child's pediatrician and medical providers that families see on a routine basis. Additionally, reaching out to schools and the support mm -hmm. staff at schools can also be very important if parents have any concerns. Being able to talk about how kids are performing in school or be able to screen with medical providers at their offices is a wonderful way to get to resources. Um, additionally, 
the state has a number of resources through their autism program mm -hmm. where parents can find information and access to resources. Excellent. Thank you so much, Brandon. I appreciate your attention and, and care in discussing this topic. Thank you very much. Up next, Liz chats with Naperville's own gridiron great, NFL star Matt Lacoste. He took his victims at night, and they were never heard from again. We were there when true crime podcasts spiked your anxiety. Maybe try binging something less intense next time. We were there for that. And we're here for everything else. Here it's personal, because we get to know you. Welcome back to 630 Naperville. Next, Liz Spencer chats with former NFL tight end Matt Lacoste. We'll find out more about the man he is away from the gridiron. Thank you for joining me on Naperville Notables. My guest today is former NFL tight end Matt Lacoste. He's retired from playing professional football in July 2022, and he's here to talk about the man he is off the field and what's up next. So thanks for joining me, Matt. No, thank you for having me. It's awesome to be here. Well, it's nice to see you. Give, our, give me a little idea of, of your journey. We all know you from Naperville North. You're a hometown guy, and we love that. So take me from high school to the NFL, if you Yeah, would. so I was fortunate enough to go to Naperville North High School. Enjoyed my four years there. Got to play three sports, baseball, basketball, football. Awesome coaches, awesome teammates. Had an amazing experience. Stayed home, went to the University of Illinois, where played tight end for the Fighting Illini four years. Um, after uh, my time there, went undrafted in the 2000, I think it was 2015 NFL draft, signed a contract with the New York Giants, spent three years there, one year with the Denver Broncos, and then three years with the New England Patriots, and just recently retired last year. So we're back home now I'm with my wife and two kids, and we're, we're happy to be back. That's awesome. That's awesome. So when you were at North and doing all that, did you ever think you'd be an NFL tight end? Um, no, no, because yeah. I was a quarterback at North, and I thought I was going to play quarterback in college, <laughs> and then I got to college, and they told me I wasn't going to be a quarterback anymore. Um, so never thought tight end. It was always my goal to go professional in something. I didn't mm -hmm. know if it was going to be baseball or football, but uh, it worked out the way it was supposed to. That's awesome. So with Naperville Notables, we kind of like to ask some fun questions rather than just the typical questions. So um, my first one for you is if, if we could invite three people, living or dead, to have dinner with you, who would they be and why? So I think the first one, um, probably my grandfather would be the first one. He died when I was three. Okay. He was a World War II Marine. And oh, so wow. just don't, I don't really know him that well. Mm -hmm. Like I have some memories, but not a ton. So it'd be really nice just to sit down and dinner with him and get to know him a little bit better. Uh, second one, Steve Harvey. I'm a huge, huge Steve Harvey fan <laughs> on Family Feud. Um, so probably Steve for that one. That would be awesome. Uh, third one, honestly, it might be Arnold Schwarzenegger. I just think he's super interesting. He's from Austria. That's where my family's from. Um, it would be really fun to sit down with those three groups and, and see how it goes. That would be. Quite yeah. an interesting mix. Very interesting mix. Very interesting mix, but all successful guys who I could probably learn a lot from. Right, different walks of life too, yes. which is the important thing. Exactly. So lots of people, especially athletes, have go-to foods. Mm -hmm. So what are your go-to foods? So I'm, I'm Chicago through and through. I love Lumonati's. Like Lumonati's in downtown Naperville is one of my favorite spots to go. Um, huge pizza guy. So that's definitely number one. Go-to foods, number probably number two is honestly any any steak. I'm a huge steakhouse guy. I love anything red meat is right up my alley and anything, I guess, animal-wise as well. I've <laughs> eaten some interesting 
some interesting foods, but if it if it breathes, I'll pretty much eat it. So those are my three favorites, probably. That's awesome. That's awesome. So I think you know one of the things that I think is also fun is looking back at you know a younger Matt. What might you tell a younger Matt now, that from your perspective? Honestly, if and this goes for a lot of people, a lot of kids too, because there's a lot of pressure out there these days. I mean, yeah. there was back in the day too that kids put on themselves, not necessarily that. I guess parents and coaches can too, but a lot of uh, kids put pressure on, pressure on themselves. Just have fun. That would be my number one thing I'd tell myself back in the day is don't worry about necessarily going to college on a scholarship or making it to the NFL. Just have fun. Try your best. Work extremely hard. Um, don't have any regrets with it, but just really enjoy yourself because it goes by so fast, really fast. Really fast. Well, I think that's good advice. I think sometimes we keep seeing that goal so much with the, and we put too much pressure and we forget how much fun oh, yeah. playing football at St. Rafe's might be. Exactly. And if you're not having fun, you're not going to be, you're not going to put in the work to get to where you want to go anyway. So enjoy yourself, enjoy your teammates and enjoy your coaches because that's what makes the sports, the team sports the greatest is getting to know your teammates and enjoying and bonding uh, with them. Well, and you're making friends for life uh, with those teams. Of course, of course. Excellent. So tell, tell me a little bit now that you're, you've finished your NFL jer- journey, what's next for Matt? Yeah, so we moved back to Illinois. We're going to be moving back uh, to Naperville here soon for a little bit. We'll see if we stay there uh, or if we go somewhere else. Um, but my wife and I uh, have two beautiful kids, a two-year-old and a two-month-old. Um, very fortunate, both ha- happy, healthy babies. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they keep us busy and we love hanging out with them. Uh, we we run a real estate company in Illinois. Uh, we've been doing that for probably three, four years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we are also bringing uh, kind of new information. We're bringing two, um, I guess, two fitness companies to Illinois, hopefully one in downtown, and hopefully one on like 59, 95th. So a lot of things in the works and we'll see how it goes. That's awesome. Well, thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule and stopping by and letting us know what you're up to. You're definitely a fan favorite, and we love knowing what our, our, our native sons are doing. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This is awesome. And thanks for joining me on Naperville Notables. Thanks for joining us here on NCTV 17. And now you know. On, on 630, 630 Naperville. Naperville. See you next time.